Section 11 of The Anatomy of Melancholy, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Anatomy of Melancholy, Volume 2, by Robert Burton. Section 11. Partition 2, Section 2, Member 3, Part 5. The best soil commonly yields the worst air. A dry, sandy plat is fittest to build upon, and such as is rather hilly than plain, full of downs, a Cotswold country, as being most commodious for hawking, hunting, wood, waters, and all manner of pleasures. Perigord in France is barren, yet by reason of the excellency of the air, and such pleasures that it affords, much inhabited by the nobility, as Nuremberg in Germany, Toledo in Spain. Our countryman Tusser will tell us so much, that the field own is for profit, the woodland for pleasure and health, the one commonly a deep clay, therefore noisome in winter, and subject to bad highways, the other a dry sand. Provision may be had elsewhere, and our towns are generally bigger in the woodland than the field on, more frequent and populous, and gentlemen more delight to dwell in such places. Sutton Coldfield in Warwickshire, where I was once a grammar scholar, may be a sufficient witness, which stands, as Camden notes, loco ingrato et sterili, but in an excellent air, and full of all manner of pleasures. Wadley in Berkshire is situate in a vale, though not so fertile a soil as some vales afford, yet a most commodious sight, wholesome in a delicious air, a rich and pleasant seat. So Seagrave in Leicestershire, which town I am now bound to remember, is situated in a champagne at the edge of the wolds, and more barren than the villages about it, yet no place likely yields a better air. And he that built that fair house, Wollerton, in Nottinghamshire, is much to be commended, though the track be sandy and barren about it, for making choice of such a place. Constantine praiseth mountains, hilly, steep places, above the rest by the seaside, and such as look toward the north upon some great river, as Farmac in Derbyshire, on the Trent, environed with hills, open only to the north like Mount Edgecombe in Cornwall, which Mr. Carew so much admires for an excellent seat. Such is the general sight of Bohemia, Serenat Boreas, the north wind clarifies, but near lakes or marshes, in holes, obscure places, or to the south and west, he utterly disproves. Those winds are unwholesome, putrefying, and make men subject to diseases. The best building for health, according to him, is in high places, and in an excellent prospect, like that of Cudston in Oxfordshire, which place I must honoris ergo mention, is lately and fairly built in a good air, good prospect, good soil, both for profit and pleasure, not so easily to be matched. Crescentius, in his book one, De Agricultura, chapter five, is very copious in this subject, how a house should be wholesomely sighted, in a good coast, good air, wind, etc. Varro, De Re Rustica, Book 1, Chapter 12, forbids lakes and rivers, marshy and manured grounds. They cause a bad air, gross diseases, hard to be cured. 
if it be so that he cannot help it, better, as he adviseth, sell thy house and land, than lose thine health. He that respects not this in choosing of his seat, or building his house, is mente captus, mad, Cato saith, and his dwelling next to hell itself, according to Columella. He commends, in conclusion, the middle of a hill, upon a descent. Baptista porta vilae, censures Varro, Cato, Columella, and those ancient rustics, approving many things, disallowing some, and will by all means have the front of a house stand to the south, which, how it may be good in Italy and hotter climes, I know not, in our northern countries I am sure it is best. Stephanus, a Frenchman, subscribes to this, approving especially the descent of a hill south or south-east, with trees to the north, so that it be well watered, a condition in all sites which must not be omitted, as Herbastein inculcates, book one, Julius Caesar Claudinus, a physician, for a nobleman in Poland, melancholy given, adviseth him to dwell in a house inclining to the east, and by all means to provide the air be clear and sweet, which Montanus counselleth the Earl of Montfort, his patient, to inhabit a pleasant house, and in a good air. If it be so, the natural site may not be altered of our city, town, village, yet by artificial means it may be helped. In hot countries, therefore, they make the streets of their cities very narrow. All over Spain, Africa, Italy, Greece, and many cities of France, in Languedoc especially, and Provence, those southern parts, Montpellier, the habitation and university of physicians, is so built, with high houses, narrow streets, to divert the sun's scalding rays, which Tacitus commends, as most agreeing to their health, because the height of buildings and narrowness of streets keep away the sunbeams. Some cities use galleries or arched cloisters towards the street, as Damascus, Bologna, Padua, Bern in Switzerland, Westchester with us, as well to avoid tempests as the sun's scorching heat. They build on high hills in hot countries for more air, or to the seaside, as Baiae, Naples, etc. In our northern countries we are opposite. We commend straight, broad, open, fair streets, as most befitting and agreeing to our clime. We build in bottoms for warmth, and that site of Mytilene, in the island of Lesbos, in the Aegean Sea, which Vitruvius so much discommends, magnificently built with fair houses, said imprudenter positam, unadvisedly sighted, because it lay along to the south, and when the south wind blew, the people were all sick, would make an excellent site in our northern climes. Of that artificial site of houses I have sufficiently discoursed. If the plan of the dwelling may not be altered, yet there is much in choice of such a chamber or room, in opportune opening and shutting of windows, excluding foreign air and winds, and walking abroad at convenient times. Crato, a German, commends east and south site, disallowing cold air and northern winds, in this case, rainy weather and misty days free from putrefaction, fens, bogs, and muck-hills. If the air be such, open no windows, come not abroad. Montanus will have his patient not to stir at all, if the wind be big or tempestuous, as most part in March it is with us, 
or in cloudy, lowering, dark days, as in November, which we commonly call the black month. Or stormy, let the wind stand how it will, he must not open a casement in bad weather, or in a boisterous season, he especially forbids us to open windows to a south wind. The best sights for chamber windows, in my judgment, are north, east, south, and which is the worst, west. Levinus Lemnius attributes so much to air and rectifying of wind and windows that he holds it alone sufficient to make a man sick or well, to alter body and mind. A clear air cheers up the spirits, exhilarates the mind, a thick, black, misty, tempestuous, contracts, overthrows. Great heed is therefore to be taken at what times we walk, how we place our windows, lights and houses, how we let in or exclude this ambient air. The Egyptians, to avoid immoderate heat, make their windows on the top of the house like chimneys, with two tunnels to draw a thorough air. In Spain they commonly make great opposite windows without glass, still shutting those which are next to the sun. So likewise in Turkey and Italy, Venice excepted, which brags of her stately glazed palaces, they use paper windows to like purpose, and lie sub dio in the top of their flat-roofed houses, so sleeping under the canopy of heaven. In some parts of Italy they have windmills to draw a cooling air out of hollow caves, and disperse the same through all the chambers of their palaces, to refresh them, as at Costosa, the house of Cesareo Trento, a gentleman of Vicenza, and elsewhere. Many excellent means are invented to correct nature by art. If none of these courses help, the best way is to make artificial air, which, howsoever, is profitable and good, still to be made hot and moist, and to be seasoned with sweet perfumes, pleasant and lightsome as it may be. To have roses, violets, and sweet-smelling flowers ever in their windows, poses in their hand. Laurentius commends water-lilies, a vessel of warm water, to evaporate in the room, and will make a more delightful perfume, if there be added orange-flowers, pills of citrons, rosemary, cloves, bays, rose-water, rose-vinegar, benzoin, laudanum, styrax, and such-like gums, which make a pleasant and acceptable perfume. Besardus Byzantinus prefers the smoke of juniper to melancholy persons, which is in great request with us at Oxford to sweeten our chambers. Guanerius prescribes the air to be moistened with water, and sweet herbs boiled in it, vine and sallow leaves, etc., to besprinkle the ground and posts with rose-water, rose-vinegar, which Avicenna much approves. Of colours it is good to behold green, red, yellow, and white, and by all means to have light enough, with windows in the day, wax candles in the night, neat chambers, good fires in winter, merry companions. For though melancholy persons love to be dark and alone, yet darkness is a great increaser of the humour. Although our ordinary air be good by nature or art, yet it is not amiss, as I have said, still to alter it. No better physic for a melancholy man than change of air and variety of places, to travel abroad and see fashions. Leo Affer speaks of many of his countrymen so cured, without all other physic, 
amongst the negroes there is such an excellent air that if any of them be sick elsewhere and brought thither he is instantly recovered of which he was often an eye-witness lipsius zwinger and some others add as much of ordinary travel no man saith lipsius in an epistle to lanoius a noble friend of his now ready to make a voyage can be such a stock or stone whom that pleasant speculation of countries cities towns rivers will not affect seneca the philosopher was infinitely taken with the sight of scipio africanus's house near linternum to view those old buildings cisterns baths tombs etc and how was Tully pleased with the sight of Athens to behold those ancient and fair buildings with a remembrance of their worthy inhabitants? Paulus Aemilius, that renowned Roman captain, after he had conquered Perseus, the last king of Macedonia, and now made an end of his tedious wars, though he had been long absent from Rome and much there desired, about the beginning of autumn, as Livy describes it, made a pleasant peregrination all over Greece, accompanied with his son Scipio and Athenaeus, the brother of King Eumenes, leaving the charge of his army with Sulpicius Gallus. By Thessaly he went to Delphos, thence to Megaris, Aulis, Athens, Argos, Lacedaemon, Megalopolis, etc. He took great content, exceeding delight in that his voyage, as who doth not that shall attempt the like? though his travel be adjactationem magis quam ad usum re publicae as one well observes to crack gaze see fine sights and fashions spend time rather than for his own or public good as it is to many gallants that travel out their best days together with their means manners honesty religion yet it availeth howsoever for peregrination charms our senses with such unspeakable and sweet variety that some count him unhappy that never travelled and pity his case that from his cradle to his old age beholds the same still 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 the same the same insomuch that rassis doth not only commend but enjoin travel and such variety of objects to a melancholy man and to lie in diverse inns to be drawn into several companies montaltus chapter thirty six and many neoterics of the same mind celsus adviseth him therefore that will continue his health to have varium vitae genus diversity of callings occupations to be busied about sometimes to live in the city sometimes in the country now to study or work to be intent then again to hawk or hunt swim run ride or exercise himself a good prospect alone will ease melancholy as comesius contends book two chapter seven de sale the citizens of barcino saith he otherwise penned in melancholy and stirring little abroad are much delighted with that pleasant prospect their city hath into the sea which like that of old athens besides aegina salamina and many pleasant islands had all the variety of delicious objects so are those neapolitans and inhabitants of genoa to see the ships boats and passengers go by out of their windows 
their whole cities being situated on the side of a hill like pera by constantinople so that each house almost hath a free prospect to the sea as some part of london to the thames or to have a free prospect all over the city at once as at granada in spain and fez in africa the river running betwixt two declining hills the steepness causeth each house almost as well to oversee as to be overseen of the rest every country is full of such delights and prospects as well within land as by sea as hermon and rama in palestina colalto in italy the top of magetus or acrocorinthus that old decayed castle in corinth from which peloponnesus greece the ionian and aegean seas were semel et simul at one view to be taken in egypt the square top of the great pyramid three hundred yards in height and so the sultan's palace in grand cairo the country being plain hath a marvellous fair prospect as well over nilus as that great city five italian miles long and two broad by the riverside from mount sion in jerusalem the holy land is of all sides to be seen such high places are infinite with us those of the best note are glastonbury tower box hill in surrey beaver castle rodway grange walsby in lincolnshire where i lately received a real kindness by the munificence of the right honourable my noble lady and patroness the lady frances countess dowager of exeter and two amongst the rest which i may not omit for vicinity's sake oldbury in the confines of warwickshire where i have often looked about me with great delight at the foot of which hill i was born and hanbury in staffordshire contiguous to which is fowled a pleasant village and an ancient patrimony belonging to our family now in the possession of mine elder brother william burton esq barclay the scot commends that of greenwich tower for one of the best prospects in europe to see london on the one side the thames ships and pleasant meadows on the other there be those that say as much and more of st mark's steeple in venice yet these are at too great a distance some are especially affected with such objects as be near to see passengers go by in some great roadway or boats in a river in subjectum forum despicere to oversee a fair a market-place or out of a pleasant window into some thoroughfare street to behold a continual concourse a promiscuous rout coming and going or a multitude of spectators at a theatre a mask or some such like show but i rove the sum is this that variety of actions objects air places are excellent good in this infirmity and all others good for man good for beast constantine the emperor book eighteen chapter thirteen ex leontio holds it an only cure for rotten sheep and any manner of sick cattle lilius Arfonte aegubinus that great doctor at the latter end of many of his consultations as commonly he doth set down what success his physic had in melancholy most especially approves of this above all other remedies whatsoever as appears in consultation sixty nine consultation two hundred and twenty nine etc many other things helped but change of air was that which wrought the cure and did most good 
End of section 11.